Welcome back to another exciting episode of The Spirit of Haggard. We are, again, thrilled to be here today. Thank you to all of our listeners um, for the questions that you're sending to us and the encouragement. We love the momentum, and we've got another special episode in store for you today. I am your host, Jody Lynch-Findley, and you can find me at www.jodyspeakslife.com, and I have two special guests today. We are going to talk everything sport horse. So, Dr. Jessica Gould, Dr. Sarah Escaro, let's jump right in. Um, I want both of you to kind of introduce yourselves, and then we will get into all the exciting things that you get to do each and every day in sport horse medicine. Awesome. Welcome, Dr. Escaro. Awesome. I am a younger associate here at Haggard. I did my undergrad at a college in Georgia. It was a smaller liberal arts school, um, so Berry College. And then since I'm from Alabama, I actually ended up at Auburn for my in-state vet school. Um, War Eagle. Yes, War Eagle, 100%. (laughs) Um, It was one of those things where I, I didn't necessarily grow up on a farm or working with horses, but I did have an interest in kind of showing and riding leisurely. Um, so ended up in the hunter jumper world that kind of got me into the idea of potentially sports medicine and the horse as an athlete. Um, but I think kind of where it really took off was in vet school and my freshman CPC class, we actually did a pleural pneumonia case and they did a really cool rib resection. Um, and I was like, Oh, surgery must be the way to go then because I want to do something like that. And with surgery, especially in an area like Alabama, not necessarily central Kentucky, those are the, I guess, the veterinarians and the specialists that are going to catch most of the lameness. Um, so I was like, okay, well then, you know, two birds, one stone. So my mentor at Auburn was like, if you want to do surgery, Haggard's the place to go. Um, so ended up here right out of vet school for a surgical internship okay. um, and was kind of just kicking along, thinking that was going to be the move. And I was going to do my internship or two internships, residency, try to get back to central Kentucky, um, kind of towards the end process of the match, which is the program that you go into to find further internships or residency programs. Um, I ended up deciding for several different reasons, some life reasons, a global pandemic, uh, (laughs) that maybe a residency was not the move. um, And I really didn't know where to go from there. Um, So it's one of those things where luckily Auburn doesn't track. So we did some small animal stuff. So I actually ended up in small animal practice, general practice for a year and some change um, in the Northern Virginia area. Oh, wow. They had one veterinarian that was a little bit older than me, but not by much. And his focus was definitely more of like what we would consider kind of medicine cases. Whereas I was like, oh, anesthesia, soft tissue surgery. I'll learn some dental stuff. That sounds great. Um, And got a little bit of my surgery fixed that way. Um, But it just kind of wasn't what I was passionate about. So it worked out that I transferred from the small animal place in Virginia to a small animal location here in Lexington. And then obviously kept up with my mentors and the connections I had here Um, And they actually had a position open up as a performance horse vet. So it it was not necessarily the track that I thought I was going to be taking or the timeline that I thought was going to be, you know, ideal or perfect or whatever. Um, But yeah, I signed back up and started January of 2022. And so the last year has been a lot of 
re-familiarizing myself, kind of finding my niche within the sport and performance horse world um, and kind of just getting back into it, trying to build a client base. So, you know, we're lucky because of the area that we're in, but it's been, it's been a good year and I'm excited for 2023. Awesome. <laughs> I love that. So I, um, I love when we're able to kind of talk about the versatility and the experiences that we gain by, you know, going kind of in a circle rather than a straight line and the clinic experience for small animal versus equine. So, okay. So yes, you are one of our younger tenured participants. So I know that our listeners will be very anxious to hear more about your story and your passions. And we are so excited to have her here with us. Yes, I know. Well, I I do see this bit of dream team effect (laughs) with the two of you. But Dr. Jessica Gould, let's hear a little bit about where you came from and how your journey has you brought you to Haggard. All right. So I did not have a straightforward path to vet school, actually. Um, I did always want to be a vet. Um, But like many people, I think sometimes you get burned out on that dream a little bit just from the amount of work that it takes to get there. So I did my undergraduate degrees at Virginia Tech. Uh, I majored in biology as well as animal science. And about halfway through my third year, I was really burned out on just the coursework and the rigor of everything. So I took a shift during my fourth year and decided that I wanted to go to grad school instead. I had researched some with some undergraduate labs, um, had studied chickens actually, so much different from horses. Um, And I actually went to graduate school before I applied to veterinary school. I also did not uh, necessarily grow up with horses on my like own property or anything. Uh, I mucked stalls in exchange for a lesson. That that kind of thing. Um, And then I was able to have the opportunity to ride. So um, I did get to show some during like my younger years and everything. And that was kind of the drive towards sport horse, I think ultimately was those experiences kind of riding hunters growing up. Um, But kind of shifting back, no, I did not go straight into veterinary school. I actually studied equine parasites in graduate school prior to applying for veterinary school. Okay. And as much as I enjoyed that, and I did enjoy the research of it all, and I think it gave me a lot of knowledge heading into veterinary school, I really found that I missed working with clients. You know, I had worked in small animal uh, clinics in undergrad, and I missed that interaction with clients and their pets. I really did. So that was kind of the drive to, to go back to veterinary school is I wanted those personal interactions. I wanted to have clients. I wanted to actively be treating patients. And so I actually did graduate school in Kentucky. So then I hopped back over to Virginia, my in-state school, much like Dr. Escaro um, did in Alabama and went to veterinary school at the Virginia Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Yes. (laughs) After veterinary school, I knew I wanted to do equine. Virginia Tech did have tracking when I was currently there. So I did get to have a pretty equine heavy course load when I was in veterinary school school. Um, So I ended up doing a rotating internship at Blue Ridge Equine Clinic in Charlottesville, Virginia, which was a great experience. Just like any internship, it was hard and it had really good days and then it had not so good days. But overall, I would not trade that experience for anything. It really gave me a very solid backbone in 
in actually seeing what's out in the field versus what's in the hospital and what to expect either way there. So I very much enjoyed that experience. I had a real love for internal medicine and sports medicine through my internship. So funny enough, right after my internship, I was pretty torn on what direction to take. Um, I was also feeling pretty tired at the end of my internship as well. Um, I think anybody that's been through one can vouch. It's maybe one of the hardest years of your education and experience. You wouldn't trade it ever, but you're tired. (laughs) You're tired at the end of that. And as much as you think you prepare yourself for an internship and you tell yourself that it's going to be hard, nothing can really prepare you for how hard that first year out of school is practicing veterinary medicine. Uh, So I was pretty tired. So I applied to a few things right after veterinary school, actually, one of which was Haggard's Internal Medicine Fellowship. And I had gotten an offer from them, but I had also interviewed with Dr. Duncan Peters, who specializes in sports medicine and had recently started his own practice with his significant other, Dr. Lori Bidwell. And they had a very unique practice where they kind of traveled the show circuits and they provided medicine and treatment to the horses on the show grounds. And that sounded like just a really interesting and cool experience. And I was, I really wanted to sign on board with them. So I became their very first sports medicine intern, actually. Oh, wow. Um, And that position actually did not exist. So for anybody that's discouraged because they feel like they're not finding something, I would very much encourage you to go out and push for yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Contact people that aren't advertising because that position didn't exist. Until I emailed them and was like, hey, I really think your practice is very unique. I would like to, you know, sign on as an associate. I've done this internship, but if that's not what you're looking for, I would be open to either like a fellowship or an internship. And it ended up working out. And it was a really cool year. And I learned so much from Dr. Bidwell and Dr. Uh, Peters. Um, And that's another irreplaceable experience and really put me into kind of the nitty gritty of the sports medicine world. Uh, So after that, I worked for a smaller boutique practice here in Lexington that also traveled to some of the circuits and they were very heavy in acupuncture. And then what I was missing there, I think, was having a lot of colleagues. I missed kind of that bigger practice setting that I had in my internship. And that is why I kind of ended up seeking Haggard out. And uh, I've been here for two and a half years now, and I'm very happy. It's lovely to have such a big team. Uh, I'm really excited to, to have my tag team mate here, Dr. Escaro, now. <laughs> and I think it's just very crucial to always continue learning and being in a practice like this, where if you have a question, there are 45, 50 other doctors you can call and ask, and yes. you can get multiple perspectives. And I think that really pushes us to be better every day and to continue learning. And that is a big reason why I wanted to come to Haggard. Yeah. I love it. As we have our conversations, we've talked about internships that, you know, and again, for our listeners, please go back and listen to previous episodes, but internships are so critical and crucial, right? So you've both mentioned the power of your internships. So I don't want to let that pass by. You know, I don't think that we have been through one episode of this podcast where I haven't used the term phone a friend. 
Very much a theme as we talk to all of the doctors here at Haggard is, you know, this kind of phone a friend philosophy. So certainly I think that goes back and speaks to, you know, the emphasis that you placed on um, knowing that you want to be in a practice of this size and scope and the ability to really um, have that network. So uh, I, I hear that over and over again. I, I love that. Let's pause for just a minute to hear from our friends at Bymeta, our Spirit of Haggard podcast sponsor. Bymeta might just be the largest animal health company you have never heard of until now. Bymeta Animal Health's equine products have been trusted by veterinarians and horse owners since the 1960s where our Irish roots began. Bymeta is one of the largest producers of dewormers for horses like Equimax, Bimectin, Duramectin, and Exodus. World-renowned equine athletes rely on polyglycan, a patented formula designed to replace lost or damaged synovial fluid, and Confidence X 1% pheromone gel that reduces and prevents equine stress, to name a few of our branded products. We encourage you to consult with your equine veterinarian before using any equine products for your horse. Also, please visit buymetaus.com to learn more about our full product offerings and where you can buy them. So let's jump in then to this theme for today of sport horse performance horse <laughs> practice. All right. And so, you know, I want to start at the very beginning. You know, our our listeners love to kind of send us questions and the feedback that we get so often is thank you for explaining and defining exactly what that means and um, what each of these segments are because we have so many students who are just getting started on this journey. And so they they really do want to know not only kind of what your journey was to get where you are today, but let's really take a peek behind the curtain, I always say, and um, and give us a definition of sport horse medicine. What are we doing? Yeah, I, what are you guys I think doing? that's a great question. One of the big things that we do in sport horse medicine is we are focused on the horse's soundness and their ability to do their job. And a lot of that comes down to having a sound horse. So we do a lot of lameness exams. We do a lot of baseline, what we call musculoskeletal exams, which are exams that we use to go over a horse. The horse may not be lame, but just to make sure that he doesn't have, he, she, the horse does not have any kind of discomfort in in a certain region, even if it's mild, so that we can best fit them to do their job properly. There are a lot of facets to it, but I would say that that's the kind of take-home message of what our goal is for for these animals. Um, And I try to use the term emphasis because as of, I forget what year they created it, but there is a boarded opportunity. You can get boarded in sports medicine. And I would like to like clarify just for our podcast audience. So I would say I emphasize in sport horse because now that we do have boarded specialist um, and there is a college for it, um, I try to be respectful of the fact that I am not boarded in this particular area, but um, it is what I do in my everyday practice. So try to be respectful of those individuals that have put a ton of time and effort to getting boarded. 
I think that was a good way to put it in that, again, you you have your college where you're boarded, um, and then you kind of go into what our niche is or what our focus and our passion is. And also then, too, you had mentioned earlier, we are very much so primary care providers for those clients because as great as it is to be in Central Kentucky and have all of these different specialists, no matter what it is, a lot of times when you develop these client relationships and you're with them long enough and it's it's very personal they almost want a one-stop shop. Um, so again, like we may mainly be focusing on our musculoskeletal exams and managing the athlete so that it can move forward and compete successfully in whatever discipline. Um, a lot of it is vaccinating, pulling Coggins, you know, general health exams when they get sick, if there's emergencies and we can make it, things like that, that we're kind of dealing with. Um, another thing with, I guess, sport horse, which I will say we're lucky here in Kentucky, we have the horse park right across the street. Um, you know, we have a really big presence at the horse shows as well in regards to providing veterinary services for the horses there. So again, kind of as she mentioned, we might love doing our musculoskeletal and soundness, but I would say at the horse shows, that's usually not really even what we deal with. We deal with a lot of, you know, colics, lacerations, cellulitis, um, and we do have, you know, several of our kind of ambulatory veterinarians here that also will kind of touch in and help us out through all of that. Yeah. Um, so again, it just goes to say, like, it is an emphasis, um, but it's definitely not kind of a primary that's all we do. Like we, yeah. as great as it would be to be so specific, we do definitely that kind of whole veterinarian, whole system, I guess, our whole body approach is, is still something that we kind of always have to, to refer back to. So. so whether it's a lameness or a runny nose, right? you're yeah. there. I was about you're to say, there. it was, and it was yeah. a learning curve for me too, because again, like I got a little bit of that whole animal approach when I did smalls, because I was basically like, oh, I dumped all that after boards. I don't need to know anything. <laughs> and then I was like, and now I'm here. What is a puppy vaccination schedule? Um, you know, and going from such a, a specific internship to doing surgery, I, I will credit my small animal experience for, for kind of getting that diagnostic thought process going, um, and kind of my, my client communication and my client relations started. I mean, I'm very extroverted. I could talk to a wall, right? Um, but it, 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 it is not without its benefits. And again, I think that translated over because we always are like, Oh, the crazy cat lady or, Oh, the, you know, the, the very, spoiled, and I can say this because I did the hunters, uh, like, you know, show woman (laughs) or show man or whatever, but that kind of, they go hand in hand in regards to, I guess, the way that I conduct myself with people. Like I have my own horse. And so, you know, when I'm talking them through things, I want to make sure that they totally understand it and that, you know, um, they feel comfortable moving forward. And a lot of times it's, it's not quick conversations. And, um, you know, some people will be like, oh, well, that's why it's, it's harder to manage some of these sport horse clients. But I'm like, I mean, that's just the nature of the job. Like that is, that is their pet, but that is also an athlete. So you kind of have a little bit of the companion animal as well as a little bit of that, I guess production medicine isn't the right word, but a little bit of that athletic, again, like business aspect to things. So it's, it's a bit of a, a, I guess, kind of gray area, not necessarily black and white when you talk about sport horse practice in regards to what you have to offer and, and kind of what your responsibilities are. So who, who are the athletes? So paint us a picture. You've spoken about hunters. Tell us a little bit more about the athletes that you are treating. So I do, I pretty a wide breadth of athletes. Um, again, I just started on last January um, and I was doing a lot of backup work for a lot of the different 
veterinarians here in the practice. So that took me to the racetrack um, in regards to managing any of their primary care, but as well as prepping them with treatments before races or making sure that they were sound enough to compete at such a high level. Um, And, you know, we're doing a lot of imaging, but again, we're doing thoracic ultrasounds. There's a lot of different things that we kind of do. Um, I do a lot of the transition of the thoroughbred horses into different disciplines, which a lot of people will think, oh, well, you know, they race jockeys, English saddles, like they're probably going into an English discipline. Um, Not always true. I have looked at thoroughbreds that are barrel racers. I have looked at trail horses. I've looked at endurance horses. Um, Again, we are in central Kentucky and there is a huge thoroughbred industry here. But that being said, we are kind of on the radar in regards to what we have to offer for some of these competitors, both at a what I would call my adult amateur level, as well as, you know, our four or five star riders, whether it be hunters, jumpers, eventers. Um, we've got driving clients I know um, that we service. So you do get a variety of breeds in there. So I think that sport horse looks anything from a small Welsh pony all the way up to some draft cross or Frisian thing that's going to go in the dressage arena at finals. So, um, you know, it is, it's a, it's a large variety. It's just sprinkles of everything, I think, um, yeah. in regards to what we kind of service in regards to discipline and and breeds. So. Yeah, I love that. And I just wanted to make sure we painted that picture, yeah, right? Because absolutely. you do, you go out of here and it's so easy to, you know, leave the Haggard campus and drive the roads and pass all the thoroughbred farms and, and enjoy the year round scenery that way. But when you go across the street into the Kentucky Horse Park, you almost forget the thoroughbred world. And yeah. so much of the year, we see such a variety. We also do, we have fox hunters. We do have Western performance horses. I actually have a decent amount of clientele that are in the Western world. And, yeah. you know, even though I didn't really grow up in that world, there are certain things that, you know, you look for on on those horses because they they occur commonly, right? So, right. Um, and every discipline has their their own injuries that are more common to that discipline and just knowing that. And and that was very neat to see in terms of the type of clientele. So I serve a very similar clientele. A big portion of our clientele here are going to be the thoroughbreds that maybe didn't have a successful race career and need to have a new career. So, and that's that's been very interesting. And it was funny because during the, the pandemic, there was a large number of people that wanted to buy horses. Um, the number of pre-purchases that I did in that year was explosive. It was a really interesting year. I would never have thought that that many people would go out and actively seek purchasing horses. And, you know, for the general clientele, because not every clientele is looking for your five-star eventer or, you know, your meter 50 jumper. Um, that was the first time a lot of the general public were introduced to the idea of, you know, I haven't seen this horse, but I would like to do a pre-purchase on it and buy it, which that scenario opens up, you know, it has its own challenges when, yeah. you know, your client hasn't ever sat on the horse or seen the horse in person. So that is a big population that we actually do serve here in Lexington, Kentucky. And I think it's been such a benefit to the breed itself and the industry for that push for those thoroughbreds to have a new career. So that's a big part of of what we do. I love it. So for you individually, why sport horse? 
you know, so I want to know from each of you, you know, you've touched on it in a little bit of your story, but you are clearly in your element. I think the two of you, you know, that's, that's pretty evident. So why? So for me, I like the puzzle of it. You know, if you have a horse that is not performing well, trying to go through those motions in your lameness exam or your musculoskeletal examination, try to figure out what's going on. Like, how can I help this athlete, uh, number one, feel better, number two, perform better for the client. So I do enjoy the puzzle pieces to lameness exams and to figuring out you know, how to better help this horse and therein help the client. Um, And there is nothing more gratifying, you guys, than when you have helped a horse out and then you get to go see them compete and and not even do well. When they do well, it's great. You know, it's it's wonderful. But just get back into the ring and compete again after potentially like an injury. But it's also very rewarding when you just help out a top athlete and keep them in good maintenance and see them do their best. It's, it's really, it's a winning feeling. And it's funny now that I have some more Western performance horses, uh, I've been getting into watching that a bit more. So, you know, I've been learning a lot about that and then getting to see them compete and do well. It's, it's very, I know I'm overusing this word, but rewarding. I don't think we can overuse that. I don't because I, it goes back to the spirit of Haggard and, and this podcast and the stories that are coming from each of you is this is truly a rewarding career. And we, uh, uh, the purpose behind it, the reason I'm here, the reason Dr. Rathgaber wanted to bring this idea to life is quite frankly, we've gotten a bad rap. Veterinary medicine and specifically equine veterinary medicine, we've gotten a bad rap. And uh, I think each of us wants to do our part to share the love, if you will. And so the fact that it is rewarding and that you are, you know, pursuing a passion and we're talking about the good days and the bad days and the people and the experiences that all come together to say, you know what, this is really rewarding. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll let you keep using that word. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of mirror Dr. Gould in that, that being able to kind of put that puzzle piece together, anatomy, and then subsequently the physiology behind it, especially of your musculoskeletal system has always really interested me. I think that's why I was interested in the surgical aspect of things. We do a ton of orthopedic procedures here, um, but I have a pretty in-depth history, I guess, or background myself of being a higher-level competitive athlete as a gymnast um, that had oh, a yeah. You do I didn't know this. I'm four eleven, so I'm really tiny. It. So it's it's crazy because again, you know, I I found that it, the the idea of managing the horse as an athlete is definitely more widespread and not so much seen at that higher level anymore. But again, it's like everything that goes into whether it's a high school football team with their physical therapist and their kind of very much so specific team to help manage them to perform, you've got that, you know, at any level in the equine world as well. So I think that's kind of fun to be able to, again, be passionate and like what I do in regards to the imaging. That's something that I find a lot of fun. I like working through the puzzle, but being able to, again, realize that we're all part of a team and the main goal is to keep the horse and the client healthy and happy so they can move on and compete at whatever level they want to whatever level of success that they have. It's just very, it is really rewarding. And you you end up getting kind of friends and acquaintances 
lenses through it and you you do have this personal relationship with them. It is not very, you know, it's not like when, not that I don't have a relationship with my doctor, but, you know, when you go into a human doctor and, and you get your physical and you talk through everything with them, it's a little bit more cut and dry where I do think that being able to go out to these farms and see these horses and work with them for, you know, months, years on end, like you do develop that personal relationship and you're happy for them when they do that just because yeah. you know the, the gratification that that brings the client. And a lot of these horses, they love their job. So when they're able to yeah. do it, um, you know, it, it overall is great for their mental health too. So it's just, I think the sport horse and performance horse in general kind of encompasses the ability to put the puzzle together, but see the rewarding effects of it and, and the longevity of the maintenance that you're coming up with, with your team to help that horse. Um, So I would say that's probably my favorite part and why I liked it. That was really eloquent. I think Dr. Iscaro touched on a very good point in in speaking about team again Mm -hmm. for your client and your patient there, because one of the big things about sport horse is being a part of a team for that client and that horse. The most successful horses I see have a team of professionals that are being used to help care and manage their soundness and comfort. So Mm -hmm. I talk to farriers on a daily basis. I do acupuncture myself, but that's another modality that we can use in the care and um, continued comfort of our athletes. Uh, But I don't do chiro. So Dr. Jeremy Shaba is actually, he does chiropractic. So there are clients that, you know, I'll send over to him or bring him on the team for this horse because that horse needs that type of care. Uh, So I think that you put it very well, taking that team approach for your horse as, you know, a sport horse emphasis type doctor is so very important and really is key to the success of, of the horse for the client. So, yeah. Awesome. Let's take a quick break to recognize our Spirit of Haggard podcast sponsor, Bimeda. Bimeda might be the biggest animal health company you've never heard of until now. Bimeda's products have been trusted by veterinarians and owners since the 1960s when our Irish roots began. Bimeda is one of the largest producers of dewormers like Equimax, Bimectin, and Exodus. World-renowned equine athletes also rely on polyglycan, a patented formula that replaces lost or damaged synovial fluid in Confidence X pheromone gel, which reduces and prevents equine stress. Consult your vet and visit BuyMedaUS.com to see where to buy. So one other question we had as it relates to sport horse specifically, um, you know, there's always the ask, well, how much do you need to know about the organizations that are sanctioning, that are setting rules on the athletes that you are treating? And so um, do you all feel like you have to be knowledgeable about FEI and USEF and the rules set forth for the athletes that you're treating. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that. And we probably just need to kind of explain USEF and FEI to our listeners and maybe just touch on that and how much responsibility you have. So FEI or Federation Equestrian International is the international body that oversees international competitions with a lot of very big, high-level show jumpers, dressage, three-day events. Um, It encompasses a lot of different disciplines within the equestrian community. Um, So one of their biggest goals is the welfare of the horse. So they do have a few rules, and by that I mean a lot. Um, (laughs) They have an app for that, right? They they do. There's an app for that. There's an app for that. (laughs) So there are a lot of rules to be able to compete in FEI-sanctioned competitions, and it does behoove you um, and 
you really need to be knowledgeable about that if you're going to have clients that are competing in these events, because there are a lot of things for FEI competitions that are illegal to use on or to give to the horses um, for their protection. Again, it's a very welfare um, forward type organization. So you do need to be in the know of their rules and rules that are changing. USEF or the United States Equestrian Foundation they are our national body, so here in the United States, that oversees similar type things, both rules for the rider as well as rules for the horse and welfare of the horse here in the United States. Um, they have a lot of rules as well. I would say that some of their rules are a bit less strict than FEI, um, specifically when it comes to medications that are permitted for use in the horse if they are competing. So you do also need to be familiar with those rules. Now, there's an app for that as well. Um, <laughs> and a pretty easy to read document for you, Seth, that outlines things. And the nice thing is there is also a hotline. So if there are ever any questions that can my Yousef horse have this? There is a hotline that can be called over to check on those things. So um, I would say it's pretty, pretty important to have a good running knowledge or have a colleague that has a better running knowledge and call and ask them as well. So this is where phone a friend comes in again. We're going to phone a friend. Phone a friend all the time about passports because as much as I read those guidelines, I'm just still... There's always something new or something, something that is done differently. And I'm just like, it's usually Dr. Laura Warner because she is one of our, our FEI delegates here. And I'm just like, hey, you know, this person either wants to sign up or they've got this or am I making sure that it's correct? Because the last thing that you want to do is to to set your client up for what you think is success. But then you might have misinterpreted that and then they get to the show and, you know, they're either fined or they can't compete. And again, on a on a more of an amateur kind of level, you know, it's a bummer, you waste your money. But for some of these professionals, that's their business. That's their, like, their their driving life force. So, you know, you really have to make sure that you're on top of all of that and you've got all of your certifications up to date and you're aware of the, the kind of addendums and new rules or changes to things. And I will say it's, it's a lot easier when there's an app and there's a very well laid out PDF. So I think I'm lucky to kind of come up in an age where that's possible. Yeah. But the, the phone oh, friend sure. is definitely a thing. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a lot that goes into it, but yes. we'll scrape the surface there. <laughs> right. And I do like, you know, those are the teasers that we put out there for our audience, right? Yeah. To give them, you know, more of a, an all encompassing picture of, of what the two of you do. And, you know, you've shared so much. Um, as we wrap up, and I always say, I always say to our audience, come visit, right? Yes, so come absolutely. see us, come visit, come get in the truck with, you know, with our veterinarians, experience Haggard, experience Central Kentucky. So, you know, reach out. We also haven't gotten through an episode, and I heard you say it a couple times, it's intimidating. Yes, it's terrifying. And that's Okay. <laughs> But still come. Yes. Still no. visit. Still ask questions. Make those connections with people because, yeah. again, like yeah. it, you don't think that you're making an impact on someone or vice versa, and you do. And so, small enough world in equine, those will be your colleagues one day. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. come get Absolutely. out. We're here to help you figure out what your niche is and where you want to go, just like the people before us did that for us. And I think a lot of us kind of want to pay it forward and help the younger generation because we know at the end of the day, like, 
those are going to be our support system in yeah. a couple of years. Um, so I like to think that I don't bite. Like, please come hang <laughs> yeah. out. I just got a new truck. Let's go. <laughs> and but. I think what's really interesting and a little bit of a funny story, when I was looking at internships, I knew that I wanted some kind of rotating because I wasn't sure if I wanted to do a residency or not. Uh, but one of one of the reasons I didn't apply to Hackard or, or you know, a bigger clinic was for that reason. It was intimidating. And, you know, I feel like, unfortunately, there are lots of rumors that, you know, at the bigger clinics, you both get lost and you don't get to do anything. I think that those are, and I think I bring a good perspective to the table because I did do an internship elsewhere. Coming into Haggard and actually getting to see what the internships here are about and what the fellowships are about it is very hands-on here. Mm-hmm. These interns leave here with such a breadth of knowledge and experience. And I, I couldn't say that, you know, my assumption and those rumors are very false. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you want to come and get the experience, there's so many doctors here that will let you come and experience things and, you know, get hands-on experience, yeah. not just watching. So, uh, I want the audience to know that because it was something that I made a bad assumption about and I was corrected very promptly uh, in the first year that I was here and getting to see everything. So Yeah. Well, I love that. That's a great segue because I love to tell stories and I won't let you out of here today without asking a couple of really tough questions. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I know, don't, don't be scared, <laughs> but no, uh, and you might, might have to dig for this, but I always want to know if there is a standout best day on the job, best memory that you have in equine veterinary medicine that just, it's a day, it's a story that you want to share with our audience. That's a big question. Joey. It is. It's a question that I don't prepare anyone for. So I, you know, put you on the spot. Well, I can tell a more, I don't know if this is the best, but it's a really good experience and it was recent. And I think it kind of defines everything we've been talking about, teamwork and getting to work with one another. But there was a case that Dr. Freeland was working on and he was going to actually be utilizing a technique I hadn't seen before. And so I immediately phoned my work, Biffle, uh, (laughs) over here and uh, was like, hey, Dr. Freeland's doing this. Do you want to meet me over at Sport Horse? Uh, And she happened to have time that day and I think Dr. Freeland was actually pretty slammed that day. So he was like, can you guys get the horse over there and and go ahead and start on this portion for me? And we were both like, yeah. Uh, So it was just a cool day where all three of us were getting a chance to work with each other. Mm -hmm. Dr. Scarrow and I were learning a new technique, which was really cool. And it just, those are the days that you go home and you're like, I had a great day with my colleagues. That was a neat experience. I learned things. uh, And Yeah, those are the days I reflect on. Awesome. That's a good one. I like it. That is a really good one. I liked that. Um, Because I'm actually thinking of that now. And I was like, yeah, you know, that was, I went home in the afternoon and was like, what a good day that was. Because again, it was also coming off of our super busy season. And it was just nice to be able to say, we have the time, we've got the team and the support system. And, you know, again, team managing the horse. And it was good. I would say that Dr. Freeland's a little bit more quiet than we are. Um, <laughs> so we definitely kept the conversation going in the room the whole time, but um, <laughs> it was, it was really good. And, and that's one that I think sticks out in my head. Um, you know, I did have a bunch of really good experiences in my internship. Like she said, all internships are really 
they're really taxing. And you do have those days where you're like, oh my gosh, why did I sign up for this? So, you know, you get really familiar with Monster Energy and Starbucks and things like that. But um, <laughs> the the coolest thing, and I think one of the cases where I was like, wow, like, you know, people can do anything. Um, and it's just impressive the, the work that goes into the case of, uh, it was actually an on-call emergency at night. And I was primary on-call. It was like my last primary on-call shift as an intern here. Um, and the surgeon that was on the case is, again, a sport horse vet and a colleague of ours, not at Haggard. So I still get to, to work with her a bit, um, but she's quite petite like I am. And some of these broodmares are absolute Mack trucks. Like they're just yeah. massive. Yeah. Um, and this horse had been up in medicine, um, you know, for, for foaling and we knew it was going to be a more difficult delivery. Um, and of course she starts showing signs. We go in, um, because we potentially were thinking she was colicking. Well, this very petite vet, who again, we're, we're all small, this thing's huge. She goes in and realizes it's a uterine torsion and just being able to scrub in and help her and just watch, I guess, the, the physical and the mental and emotional gusto that she kind of had to put forward to really flip over an almost full-term foal in a uterus in this massive mare at two in the morning, you know, kind of with myself scrubbed into assist. And then, you know, we've got an intern on anesthesia and an intern that's pouring fluids in the, the belly to keep everything nice and lubricated up. And being able to say, you know, we caught it quick enough that that everything went okay and the mare was able to keep the foal um, and actually deliver it healthy. But just to watch the success and her relief and then, you know, her joy in being able to do that. And again, my assistance in it and then seeing the horse get up and be healthy and then the foal being healthy. It was, it was crazy. And I think that was one of the kind of more striking cases that I was like, yeah, like wow. we're like, we are kick butt. Like yes. you can do anything. Like, That's you know, a great this story. is, I love it just kind of, again, it motivates you. It's in a breeding season. You're like, I'm tired. And you're like, no, like this is why we do it. Like, yeah. And again, like, it's just to see what some of these, these clinicians can do. I know we say we're a team, but that they can do on their own is just so impressive for multiple reasons. So I would say that is one of the cases that really sticks out to me as being like, I want to be her. Like, she's so cool. Like, and then like, I took part in that healthy horse after the fat, like it was just, it was really cool. So I would say that's probably one of them. And then again, the teamwork days where we're like, oh, like we're having fun. We're learning. Like yeah. we're, yeah, it's, it's good. Cause it, you get, like you said, you've got your good days and your bad days. So you kind of hang on to those good, those good days and those yeah. will get you through. But yeah. yeah. All the feels. All the feels. Yes. So many feels. So many feels. feels. Ladies, I, I know we could talk all day. Anything else before we wrap up this episode? I mean, I can't thank you enough, but anything that you want to share with our listeners before we sign off for today? You know, I think I would like to share with our listeners, and especially those thinking about going to veterinary schools, but specifically those wanting to go into equine, if your heart's in it and you want to do it, do it. it. This is a career where it is about passion and the passion you have for the horses. And that will always be nagging there uh, because I almost wanted to do regulatory medicine when I first went into vet school and very quickly flipped over to the equine side. Um, so it's always going to nag you. If, if it's really there and you have the passion for it, go for it. You know There are going to be a lot of people along the way, because I know there were for me that were like, oh, don't do equine. Don't do equine because this, because that. And, you know, I, I'm glad I didn't listen to them. Yes. I'm glad I took my own path and kind of, you know, I did know what I was getting into, 
But at the same point in time is do what you're passionate about. And if it's equine and potentially equine medicine, go for it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I was going to say very similar. Like, as she said, you're passionate about what you do and you understand that that's what's going to get you through the day. And just to kind of reiterate, like if you don't have a horse background, surprisingly enough, when I was in vet school, we had a girl that had no, like she didn't grow up riding horses. She didn't grow up around horses. She totally thought she wanted to do small animal. She loves equine ophthalmology. And so she kind of totally changed her track in vet school to do that. Um, And now I think she does like more mixed animal stuff, but it was super cool to see someone that never had had that background. Cause we always assume like, you know, oh, well they grew up with horses. So they became equine vets. Right. So it's just the the opportunities are there. And if you think you're interested, pursue it. And also coming from someone that did equine, had some things happen, totally appreciated the burnout, went to small animal. One, don't keep your blinders on because you never know when you'll need some of those fun facts and knowledge that you got. Um, But two, again, like if you know that this is for you and it's something that, again, is kind of always in the back of your head, like it might not be the most traditional path to get there but keep working towards it because that passion and the connections that you make and the advocacy for yourself to do what you want to do and utilize the education that you got, that's so big. And, and again, like, don't think just because, you know, maybe you had to apply to vet school twice or you had to do a couple of internships or, you know, whatever happened, you're coming from one, you know, species to another, like we are here and we're here to help and we want to help you. And I hope that, Again, some of the more non-traditional stories help make that more normal. And so people do want to pursue and do it because it is very, it's rewarding and gratifying. And I wouldn't trade my 14, 15 hours days for anything. Like I love my small animal surgery, but I mean, I also just love what I do in driving around Kentucky and helping horses. So I hope that again, it, it reinvigorates and and encourages people to, to keep pushing for what they want to do. So if you're considering it, again, like what Jody said, come to Haggard. Come ride along with yeah. us. We'd love to have you, and um, we'd love to share our passion with you. Let's say, yes. the, the area and the vets and the experiences speak for themselves. I hope that that's, you know, yeah. yeah. come hang out with us. I promise we're, we're fun, and, and you'll get to see a lot and hopefully go away with an idea of what you want to do. Yes. Absolutely. Ladies, I cannot thank you both enough. Dr. Escaro, Dr. Gould, what a tremendous wealth of knowledge, wisdom, passion, stories. This is exactly what the spirit of Haggard is. So uh, for our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please go back if you've missed some of our previous episodes and make sure you get caught up and come visit. Come visit. With that, ladies, we will say cheers. Cheers. To the spirit of Haggard. To the spirit of Haggard. Thanks for tuning in to the Spirit of Haggard podcast today, sponsored by Bymeda. I'm your host, Jody Lynch Findlay, speaker and podcaster. You can connect with me at jodyspeakslife.com.